0: Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please pray with me. Holy Spirit, as you promised to be present with us and in us and in our lives, come now especially through your word that you would continually change us and draw us towards the one who lived and died and rose for us, in whose name we live and pray. Amen. We are at week five of six on the book and topic, I am a church member, talking about what it means to be a part of the church, what it means to be part of a church, local church, and so those are the six chapters topics. Week one was I will be a functioning church member as hands and feet are functioning parts of a body. That is, (coughs) excuse me, the image God gives us for what it means to be a member of a church, of the church, of this church, Week two, we talked about I will be a unifying church member. There are so many things that can so easily divide us, yet don't let this place be divided because the thing that gathers us, Jesus Christ, crucified and risen for us, is far more important than any of those things smaller than that that would divide us. So, if the only thing we share together is our saving faith in Christ, that's okay. That's enough, and that should be enough to bring us together for unity. Third Week three, we talked about I will not make my church simply about me and what I want, but about the gospel and what's best for for the gospel. Last week, we talked about praying for our leaders. And today, we're talking about I will lead my family to be healthy church members. So that's today. I will lead my family to be healthy church members. We read in Deuteronomy a moment ago, One of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, and certainly one of my favorites in the Old Testament, the Israelites are waiting to go into the promised land. They're just waiting, and then God gives them a really, really, really long sermon before they can go in. And the whole sermon is, it's Moses' last will and testament. It's, you know, the sermon God's given Moses to preach to his people. That's the whole book of Deuteronomy, and it's a lot of chapters. It would be a really long sermon, but that's what it is. And part of it is, in chapter 6, he says, these are the commands, all, the whole book, commands, decrees, laws, that the Lord your God will teach you to, to observe in the land that you are crossing over to possess, that they can see it, they're waiting. But it's so that you and your children and their children may fear the Lord as long as you live. And he goes on to say, Israel, be careful to obey all these things that I tell you, that blessings may come to you, and all, all sorts of things. And then it goes to verse 4. Here, I'll put this one up here. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Which then Jewish people said every day over and over and over again. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today should be on your hearts. Impress them on your Children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. That means make faith a natural part of your life. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. If you've ever and write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. If you've ever seen traditional Jewish people praying, they have a little black cube block. You can go to my office and find it one that I got for Bible study, uh, and they tie it on their head and they tie wrap black like straps on their left arm because heart. Is closer to that side, to your heart. And that, and they pray with that. And they also have little things on their door frames. Uh, there's one in my office too. You're can go. You're all going to go there after now and look at the, these things. And they put part of God's Word in it and nail it to their door. And if you go to nearly every hotel in anywhere in the country of Israel, every hotel room, hundreds per building, have one of these on their door. They took it seriously, what it means to, to live out God's Word and the faith that God has given us. So what this is saying is God is saying, I have saved you. I am your God of grace and mercy. Now tell your children, tell, tell your family, tell those closest to you, show them what I have done. Don't forget. You see, the Israelites were completely saved by God's power and by God's grace. God saved them from Egypt, brought them out, fed them in the desert, protected them, and now is giving them this land that they haven't earned, they haven't worked for, they don't deserve. And it has orchards and vineyards and olive presses, and it's all by God's grace. And he says, now don't forget and tell your children and their children what I have done for you. And we gather here today saying that, yes, God has rescued you from sin and death and despair and hopelessness. By the death and resurrection of Jesus, he has fulfilled all of those promises And God has made you a part of God's perfect family by forgiving you and welcoming you. And God welcomes and accepts you no matter what at the expense of Jesus. Now tell your children that. That's the best news you could ever hear in your entire life. Now talk to your spouse about it. Talk to those people closest to you that God has given you influence with. Talk to them. Lead them in the gospel. I will lead my family to be healthy church members. I want to tell you a story of two people. They have dozens upon dozens of descendants today, but two people. Their names are Troget and Eleanor. Troget was a farmer, married Eleanor. He ran the mostly subsistence farm in rural northern Wisconsin while she spent most of her time raising their nine children who spanned 23 years. Though neither of them had a college degree, they saw the importance of education for their children, and even more importantly than that, they showed their children Jesus. Week in, week out, around farm duties and chores, animals, crops, they brought their family to worship. They taught them to pray, and they showed them the God who died for them and lives in them. Four of their children grew up to be pastors and missionaries, two of them serving as far away as China in the 1950s. And if you trace their grandchildren and great-grandchildren today, you'll lose count of how many pastors, Lutheran school teachers, missionaries, and godly people who have led others in faith, not to mention on the educational side, many with PhDs and multiple advanced degrees, and, and even one of their grandkids became a U.S. senator. Troget and Eleanor are my great-grandparents who died long before I was born, And they are two humble, subsistence farmers in northern Wisconsin who saw that one of their greatest tasks in life was to simply lead their family in faith. I will lead my family to be healthy church members. Martin Luther's small catechism, faith-teaching tool that normally gets taught in churches by pastors, you open up to page one and it says, as the head of the family should teach in a simple way to their house. Faith is meant to be shared from parents to children. We grow in faith most often by the relationships we have. God uses other people to shape and to grow us. I will lead my family to be healthy church members. Now, I want to pick just this phrase apart a little bit. That's what the, uh, what the chapter in the book uses, but I want to focus on a few words here. First, family. Family. I realize that many of you are in different stages of family life. Some of you are, are not married, never married. Some of you have no kids. Some of you have an empty nest, and there's all this range, and so it's a word that can mean a lot of things, and sometimes that can be tender and sensitive for, for us. I think family means those nearest to us that we have the largest influence on. We're given all sorts of influence with people, whether it is our own children, grandchildren, or spouse, or close friends, or other other people, siblings. It's our inner circle. Who really gets to see the real you? Who gets to see more of you than anyone else? Those people, your inner circle, whoever they are. And what would the people that know you the best, what would they say about your faith? Those people that get to kind of see past whatever, you know, your public face is that really know who you are, what would they say about your faith? Now, there's a challenge that goes along with that, right? Challenges, I think family are some of the hardest people to love at times, aren't they? Yes, I have an older brother, so I can say, yes, my name is Ryan and I have an older brother, so I can say that loving family sometimes, right, can be some of the hardest relationships too, Right? And living the gospel around into your family can be very challenging. No church is perfect, and no family is perfect. And your family does know you best, right? You can fool a lot of people, but you cannot fool your family, especially your siblings, right? They know who you are. And even my great-grandparents who I told you about, uh, they weren't perfect and other people in the family would be quick to tell you that. It's often hardest to live the gospel, sometimes to people closest to us. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to to live the gospel. It's very challenging. And sometimes I think it might even be easier for some of us to go on a mission trip far away, thousands of miles away, and share Jesus there than to share Jesus with somebody in our own family. It's a challenge. I will lead my family to be healthy church members. Now I want to back up and talk about lead. I will lead. What does it mean to lead? You are already leading, whether you know it or not or admit it or not, you are already leading in some way. And with all of our lives, we often lead in two basic ways. One is naturally, the other is intentionally. Because of, of who we are, we have things that we, normally, we do naturally that flow out of us based on, on personality and all sorts of things we, we do and believe and value, but there's also intentional things we do to lead, right? And they're both always there. Naturally, your family, your inner circle, knows who you really are. Your family knows what you truly love and what you truly value. And if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, your family knows that. You don't have to tell them. If you've lived in a way that says, God, make me kind and loving and forgiving and help, to, help me to show others Jesus because of everything you, you've done for me, if that's your prayer in your life, the people closest to you know that. But if you love something else with all your heart, soul, and might, if you can easily make any excuse to, to not pray, to not worship, to not act like Jesus, your family knows. And my family knows when, when those moments happen, right? Right? Who you are naturally comes out, and that's a very good thing sometimes, and that's a really tough thing sometimes too, right? You are already leading whether you know it or not. That's the natural part. There's the intentional part too, though. We also act intentionally. We plan, we prioritize, we schedule. And maybe sometimes worship, coming to worship is a natural thing, and other times it's an intentional thing. I will do this today. And maybe there are other intentional things you want to change about your family to grow in faith. Pray together more, worship more, read scripture together more, serve together more, and ask God to lead you. Yet I think even deeper than this, I think there's something that's even more challenging, and that is this. I kept wrestling with thinking about this topic. It's very it's a, good, it's a great topic to say, I will lead my family in faith. But then, like most things, when you put your feet on the ground and live real life, it gets a lot harder, doesn't it? And so here's uh, what I guess I've wrestled with the most this week. And this is probably the most challenging point of this whole thing. Sometimes you can lead as best as you can, both naturally and intentionally, and people don't always follow, do they? Sometimes good leaders lead well. And people don't follow, right? Because I know some of you may be sitting here and thinking, hey, this sounds all good and well, but you're sitting there thinking, my kids are grown up. I tried my best to lead them in faith, to bring them to worship, to teach them. And as adults now, they won't go to church, and I'm not sure what they believe. And that's hard. And I, would, I can't say I have a good answer for you today. I can't tell you that there is some magic silver bullet that if you just do these things in the right way, if you're you're just the perfect parent, your kids will be the perfect. That's not true. There is no magic silver bullet that says if you just do these things in the right way, your kids and your family will believe the gospel, go to church, and everything will turn out okay. I can't promise that. But I can promise you that God, no matter what, is still good and still gracious and still kind and always forgiving. Your Savior wants all people to be saved. And I can promise you that saving faith is not something that you and I will ourselves into and muster. It is a gift from God. And so you can still lead your family now wherever they are and whatever they say they believe. However old they are, however far away from the church there, you can pray for them right now. You can still ask God to put the right godly influences in their lives. You can ask God that God would run after them and soften their hearts and draw them home. You see, we trust in God who is like a shepherd with 100 sheep and would leave 99 of them to go search for the one who is lost. Our God is like a woman who loses a precious coin and tears the whole house apart till she finds the one thing. God is like a father who just wants and longs for his lost son to come home and would give anything to run after him and hold him. God is the one who hears the cries of his children in slavery and comes down to rescue them. Our God is the one who hangs on the cross because of his love for you. And God wants you to lead those closest to you in the mercy and the grace of Jesus. So I want to invite you, as we have done in this series, to speak the pledge together. Oop, the number is wrong. I didn't change it. It's five. Together, I am a church member. I will lead my family to be healthy church members. We will pray together for our church. We will worship together in our church. We will serve together in our church. And we will ask Christ to help us fall deeper in love with the church because he gave his life for her. I am a church man. May the peace of Christ that surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.